Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast. My podcast is about immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. Welcome back, guys. New week, new episode. I hope you guys had a good weekend. I hope it was fun, enjoyable. And I hope this year has been showing that this is the year that we're going to bounce back. So before we get into the show, I just want to remind you where you can contact me on my Facebook page, An Immigrant's Life Podcast, on Instagram, at An Immigrant's Life, on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen your podcast, and on YouTube as well, An Immigrant's Life. For the ones that are listening and watching, please click that subscribe button. It really helps out. And for the ones that who has already, thank you very much. So business is out of the way, let's talk about the episode. This episode is an inspiring one and it will inspire you to fight for what is right. Fight for what you believe in, no matter what, who you're going to hurt. Follow your heart and that's what's important. I also want to mention that uh, my guest has three dogs and there was a few times that the dogs kind of got out of hand and they started barking. So please excuse those parts. But other than that, this episode is really, really good. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Sa dalawa, tatlo. Today our guest is one badass chick. She can change a diaper with one hand and load a gun with the other. She's an awesome mommy and a real-life G.I. Jane. Everyone, please welcome Chris Hugo. What up? <laughs> What's going on, Chris? <laughs> Hey, it's going, it's going. How's everybody going? Uh, you know, we're doing good. How are you guys doing? That's the better question. How are you guys doing there? Um, Doing great, doing great. I mean, mm. other than sleepless nights and, and endless diaper changing, we're <laughs> doing great. <laughs> we're, we're handling it the best the weekend. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, let's start hot. Where were you born, Chris? So I'm born in Tanaytasal, Philippines. Um, mm. Born and raised there, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't leave the Philippines permanently until I was 18. Okay. Um, yeah. The first time I left the Philippines, though, I was 11. But my mom kicked me back to the Philippines because I was having culture shocks, which is not good. All right. Let's slow it down a little bit. You said you're Tanay. Where do you live now? Right now, I am currently stationed in Phoenix, Arizona as an Army recruiter. Hoorah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. It's actually who uh you killed me with that one. That's the Marine Corps. <laughs> it shows that I'm an idiot, all right? Give me a minute. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Cause sometimes it's like hoorah and hoorah. And I'm like, it's the same thing. It's like it's oh, the same motivational it, shout. There's really a difference? Like hoorah and hoo-ha? There is, there is. Wow, Believe it or not, there okay. is. So the, the army is hoo and then the Marines is hoorah. Really? I just don't yeah. I I, I just don't say it. I just don't mm. say it. I just say, who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, right? Like Roger that. <laughs> mm. How do you said you were 10 when you moved to America? We tried to move to America. Well, they tried to move me to America when I was 10. Um, and then I enrolled in middle school. And somehow, you know, at the very young age, I'm losing a little grip of the Filipino culture. I was in California with, um, with my mom and my dad. And, um, what happened was, so I was in middle school and uh, 
I guess I was I was wilding out at that time. <laughs> you know, you know how it is, man. You know how it is. So I'm losing that that culture as Filipino, as a Filipino kid. No, yung the manopos, the opos were slowly fading, or I guess quickly fading. Mm-hmm. And my mom didn't appreciate that. She didn't like it. So she was like, you know what? Time to go back home. How old were you then when she sent you back? I was turning 11. Holy shit, man. So you just got to the U.S.? Yep. And then you're like, oh, you know what? Fuck this. Go back. Yep. Yep. Literally Whoa. what happened. One minute. Let's go back a little bit. Uh, when you said you're going through culture shock, what do you mean by that? So culture shock, the way I was dressing up was like, you know, like I'm a gangster in LA. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, brother. When they say lowrider, I was wearing lowrider pants. <laughs> yep, my, those, my. Are, those the <laughs> big pants ones. Back. Oh yeah. I look like a, I look like, I look like a Asian lesbian Eminem walking around LA. <laughs> and then one time my mom was like, can you pull that pants up? Mm. And I was like, no, <laughs> this is, this is, you know, I, was, I guess I was trying to fit in. With American kids, I don't want to look weird. I'm trying to make friends. I'm trying to, you know, I'm tr- I'm not trying to single out myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I started talking different. I started listening to different songs that I'm not even at that age. Hip-hop. Not even supposed to listen. Oh, yeah, heavy hip-hop, mm-hmm. Eminem, you know, mm-hmm. name it. Like, I was rapping Eminem on the bus. Okay. <laughs> what, what year was this uh, happening? Um, that was 2001. Mm, okay. I was in middle school. And yeah. Wow. And you were just wilding out, like you said. Bad. I guess it was bad. I, I thought I was cool, you know. I thought I was doing well. I got friends walking around with my, my, my CD player, listening to Eminem, Lip Biscuit, Green Day, and all yes, that. Yeah. Yeah. I was wearing my, you know, my baggy pants, low rider. And it's like it's you pull it up, you make you you got to put it halfway halfway in your butt, <laughs> you just, and then you wear your your loose shirt and you start walking around like you're, yeah. yeah. I, I wore those too. Yeah, and you know how it is, like you know, like conservative moms are like, "What the hell are you wearing? Change that!" Like, no, I like this. Hmm. Were you out as a lesbian by then, or? Um, I. It's funny because they were always asking me if um, when did I came out, and I never had a specific answer to that because I actually never went out. I was out, I guess, when I was really young, <laughs> dude. Like, <laughs> if you see me when I was seven, I was already like playing basketball. I got my basketball shorts, walking around naked, and all that. I was <laughs> I was hanging out with the boys, you know. I I had a Barbie doll at that point. I remember, but I shaved the Barbie doll. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have no specific answer if if I even came out because it was never a, a conversation between me and my parents, not even my friends. That hey, I'm actually gay or I'm actually lesbian. No, I just I just showed up as the way I want. Mm-hmm. Did your family knew? Like, did they have a feeling? You know, some people they're like, oh, this yeah, guy. Yeah, oh yeah, they do. But mm-hmm. um, I'd say my mom was the one who's in on a big time denial period. Like she was mm. like, oh, you're just, you're, you're, you're confused. You're, you're in a phase. And I was like, oh, mom, I, I like girls. I don't think I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm confused. <laughs> you're the one confused. I'm not. <laughs> That's But, yeah. funny, man. Were you fluent in English the first time you came to America? No, no. I, oh, I was no. horrible. I was bad. 
then that's why I would, and that's the reason why I didn't have that much friends. And I was trying to fit in with, you know, at least I'm trying to fit in with the way they dress, the way they act. I remember um, uh, I actually talked to my guidance counselor because I, 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 no one's talking to me because they think I don't speak English. Mm-hmm. So I asked my guidance counselor at that point, like, hey, can you take me to a classroom where there's at least one Filipino that I can talk to? I mean, that that Filipino kid doesn't need to speak the dialogue as long as she or he understands me because we have, you know, we have a common ground. Then I'll take it. And then he did. He sent me to a, a music class. And the teacher over there was Filipina. And then I got three Filipina classmates. It was good. Mm-hmm. You felt at home. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's when I started wilding out. <laughs> <laughs> and then mom was like, all right, fuck this. You're going back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She said, uh-uh. You're putting gel in your hair? Uh-uh. Going back home. <laughs> <laughs> so when she sent you back, was it only you that she sent back? They dropped, I know they dropped me off. Like we all, like all three of us went back to the Philippines. Mm. So they dropped me off to the Philippines and they stayed for a couple more years in the Philippines with me just to make sure that I'm set. And then after that, yeah. And you went to high school in the Philippines? Yes. And uh, I remember uh, it was, it was kind of rough at that point because I came back around December, January time. Mm. So I literally lost half of the school year ready for my original batch that I left with. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sure you were confused because you were just trying to adjust in the life in America and then you went back again mm-hmm. and you're like, what, what is happening right now? I kind of figured at that point why, because I know I was wild and acting out. Mm-hmm. At that time, did you find it hard to go to school in the States or in the Philippines? For me, it's a lot harder to study in the U.S. at that time because I, I'm coming from another country with perfectly different backgrounds and, and knowledge about how school goes. And then when I went to the States and rolled me to school, I didn't know that I have a home classroom, that I need to change classroom because I'm so used to just having one classroom and the teachers are the one changing shifts, right? But then I didn't know and I wasn't... I wasn't informed well, or maybe I didn't understand because I wasn't good in English that, Mm -hmm. oh, after this class, I have to go to another class, to another classroom. So I was just there in the classroom wondering, I was like, why is everybody leaving? (laughs) Why is everybody leaving? Where am I going after this? Is my class done? (laughs) It's like, it's it's only nine o'clock in the morning. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But yeah, like... The problem that I have at that point was I wasn't, you know, I I was that kid that you put me in the room. I'm just going to stay there the whole time. I wasn't venturing out. And then, you know, it it, it was, it was a whole lot of confusion and pressure for me at that point. Mm -hmm. Do you think because you didn't have the command of the English language? Yes. Yes. And I was, I was really quiet at that point because I know I'm, you know, I'm a foreigner. I know I'm in a different land or a different country. I don't have any friends. And I just, I don't know how I'm going to react to my classmates or or how my classmates are going to react to me. So I was very, I'd say, careful with how I act or how I speak. Mm -hmm. So when they sent you back to the Philippines, how did you feel about that? Oh, I feel like it's freedom too. Really? Yeah, because I actually miss my classmates. Mm -hmm. I, I miss going to school 
where I was going to the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I missed I, I missed the smell of the Philippines, especially from where I came from. I I missed that smell of like when it's raining, the 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 smell of dirt. You know, when the rain drops on dirt, I. I miss, I miss the gloominess. We looking at the rice field. It's just it's a different feeling, man. It's a different yeah. feeling here in, in the states. I mean, I walk from the house to the bus stop. Mm. I ride the bus. I walk again for about a block or two, and then that's mm. school. That's it. I don't. There's no sightseeing. It's all houses, no and cars. Too, so. Yeah, I know. There's no like. Like like you said, no freedom, you know, you can just from here to the other side of the town, you're going to and you're like six years old, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You're not, not nothing's gonna, bad will happen to you. No one will abduct you. Nothing. It's just that's just how it is, you know. So when you went back to the Philippines, did you suffer through reverse culture shock? Yes, it, it's not really a, a culture shock because, I mean, that's just kind of like going back home to me. Like, hey, I'm back home. I'm going to act the way I was before. That's cool. <laughs> but catching up with school and everything. I remember this. We have this Filipino class. And I was sitting down with my homeboys. And then I, my name got called by the Filipino teacher. And he was literally asking me, what's a Tagalog for, um, for a summary? And I, did, I don't know that word in Tagalog. Yeah. And, Nobody and, knows. Yeah, well, it's a deep Tagalog. So I was like yeah. looking left and right to my classmate. And then my classmate was like, make it short. <laughs> Whatever you <laughs> said, make it short. <laughs> so, I mean, it kind of made me feel dumb in a way. Because I was like, damn, man, am I that far behind from school? Like, this is this is Tagalog. This is Filipino class. I should, like, I would flunk everything but this. <laughs> That was, that was, I don't know if it's culture shock, but it's like having a hard time again with, with catching up with school, because I don't know, like I said, I came in, I came in half of the school year already. So mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the batch is already studying, I'm catching up on them. So, yeah. Let me just explain something. Cause you know, some people doesn't know that in the Philippines, we start school in June, right? Yes. Somewhere June or July. Yeah, exactly. Also, like uh, Chris said, we even though we're Filipinos, we actually study Filipino, the language, which I hate that subject. So other than school, socially you're fine. Socially, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's like coming home to my friends again, and they didn't t- treat me any differently. They were like, "Oh, you're back again." <laughs> <laughs> oh, this dude. <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> but they were they were cool with me and everything. Where's my and, chocolate? Oh. <laughs> It's kind of like that. <laughs> it, I couldn't remember the exact words, but it's kind of like that. Um, and they were they were actually helping me out with catching up with the schools and everything. So that was good. That's awesome. Yeah. Were you hanging out with girls or boys? I'm like in the middle, actually. Hmm. I hung up more with the girls that I'm hanging out are like the conservative ones. It's funny. <laughs> conservative. <laughs> they're so conservative, right? They, you know, they're the type of girls that they always had a handkerchief in the pocket, and then they got lip on my pie. <laughs> they got, <laughs> you know, they don't. They always, they just look clean every time. They're not wilding out at all. That with the guys I hang out with, uh, I guess I hang out with the very unique guys, <laughs> the guys that like tech decks, the skateboards. You know, that's awesome, man. But um, and did you have a girlfriend then? Oh, bro, no. <laughs> I could <laughs> no. So uh, give, hit, I'll give a history with that school, right? The school that mm. I went to, 
So the or the owner of that school mm. is actually one of my mom's good friends, very mm. very close friends. And I guess that's one of the reason why I never had a girlfriend because I know she's gonna snitch on me. Because <laughs> I mean, they they they're on the phone all the time, man. They're on the phone all the wow. time. Wow. Yeah. So I know if I do something stupid in school, it's gonna be an ass whooping night. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. So I was very careful. I was very like you know, I was very careful with everything that I do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be talking to a lot of people, but I'm just gonna be you know. I'm going to be a tomboy, but I'm not going to hang out with other girls just to be, you know, just to, I guess, have them as my girlfriend. I couldn't do it that time. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a crush when I was in second year high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was in third year high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my school, they have like the van service where they pick up where they pick up students from different locations in their province. So mm-hmm. uh, third year. In second year, we first year and second year high school, we come in in the morning. Mm-hmm. But then the third year and the fourth year high schools, they come in probably around like 10 or 11, somewhere between that time. And then I swear to God, whenever that van, that white van pulled up, <laughs> I, what I do is I stand up, look mm-hmm. into the window. Because I like I could see her from the window. And I was mm-hmm. like praying to God, oh my God, just look at me, just look at me. I'm looking at you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but she did it. That's that's how I am with my crush. You know, they call it in the Philippines. We call it silai, right? Mm-hmm. We just call yeah, it silai, yeah. makasilai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did write a write write my crush a letter at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not really a crush letter. It's not like I'm telling her that oh I think I love you. It's not it's not even that. It's friendly letter. Like I'm literally telling her, can we be friends? Mm-hmm. But I don't know what happened at that time. But my I got called in the office. Somebody snitched on me. <laughs> I got called. I got called in the rector's office. So I was like, "Oh damn! That was just one letter. <laughs> that was one letter." So wow. I went to the office. I know, I know. I went to the office and I saw the directress, and my crush was on the other side of the the table. And I, from that point, I knew what it was all about. I just know. Hmm. And the 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 directress of the school lift up the letter. And she asked me, did you do this? Mm. I mean, how can I deny that? It's my penmanship and my name on it. Mm-hmm. It's literally me. And I was like, well, shit. Yeah, it's me. Right. And <laughs> I guess from that point, she was, she called my mom and she told my mom what's going on. She said that I'm having crushes and all that to girls. And then, you mm. know, my mom being mom, conservative mom. Mm. Yeah. I, it was a horrible night. <laughs> <laughs> it turned to be a horrible night for me. And after that, I learned my lesson. You know what? I am writing no letters no more. <laughs> push those feelings I, down. Oh, I I mean, I didn't push the feelings down. I I, I was still doing the stand-up thing and <laughs> at the band. I was still looking at her until gra- until she graduated, actually. But you never I shot never, your shot. I mean, other I, than like, you know. No, I didn't do anything. Like I like after that, you know what? I I have no friends in the school. <laughs> like somebody snitched on me. <laughs> somebody did. Somebody did. Yep. Man, that's rough, man. Yep. <laughs> so you mentioned that you went to high school in the Philippines. Yes. But did yes. you go to college in the Philippines too? Yes, I actually did. I actually did went to college in the Philippines. And it was, um, there was a lot of things that happened at that time. Um, my dad actually went on, uh, he had a, I guess a, a horrible hyper uh, tension 
almost going to a stroke. We were supposed to go to this university in Lokban, Quezon. Uh, that's the actual place that I want to study, province. And while on our way over there, he started having, you know, this difficulty of breathing and all that. And uh, yeah, it was like midnight. It was, it was it was a bad experience. So instead of going to the school, we went straight to the hospital. Went to the hospital, we went home, and then my dad had to give up his job. Mm-hmm. So it was a rough time uh, after that. And me and my mom just kind of decided that, hey, you know what? Let's mm-hmm. forget about the the university in Quezon because we we wouldn't be able to afford the 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 boarding for the room. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be able to afford a lot of things for my education. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's fine. Send me somewhere close. So I went to Tomas Claudio in Morong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm, sorry, let me just explain. This is a college that is in a town that is two towns away from my hometown, Tanai. I studied nursing and um, it was great. It was great. It was, uh, it was the course. Of my mom, my mom chose that course. Oh, I, I can <laughs> tell. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Filipinos, man. <laughs> Goddamn Filipinos, man. <laughs> my mom literally told me face to face. She was crying. You're gonna study nursing. This is my dream for you. I planned this when you were a kid, and I was like, you didn't even ask me. <laughs> what What is it with Filipinos in nursing? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's I don't, I don't know what's up with it. I mean, it's a it's a good job. It I is mean, really it's a good job. It's but a, why not it's aim a for a doctor? I mean, if you tell me to be a doctor, I was like, you, you lose your mind, bro. Like I like I don't even know how I graduated high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't even know the Filipino word for summary. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so she was because. There was a point in, in my college days in the Philippines where I told my mom, like, I'm mm. done. I'm done. I'm done studying nursing. I gave you I gave you a good first mm-hmm. semester. I like I aged all my subject. But when I got to the second semester where I was, you know, experiencing the actual nursing class, it's not the general education anymore. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can do this, but it's just that I don't I don't find my heart mm-hmm. in it. So yeah, it's <laughs> my college days, man. It's it's rough. It's rough. Um, my first semester was mm-hmm. good. The second semester, I had to move to another another school, and um, I started hanging out with the wrong crew. I wouldn't say the wrong crew. It's just a crew that I don't. I think I don't fit. Like their their way of 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 spending college days are not the way that I mm-hmm. want to. So that's when I kind of lost myself. And I was like, I called my mom and I was like, I'm done. I'm really done with college. I'm really done with nursing. If you want, I'll, I'll go, like, I'll study something else that I want. I literally, I want to be a police mm. in the Philippines. I want to be okay. a cop. I do. That was my dream. That was my dream. I want to be a cop in the Philippines or a soldier in the Philippines. I, that's what I want to do. But then my mom, <laughs> she was like, do you know that they do hazing? I was like, well, I don't want to experience okay. that. So you got scared. Scared. And I guess I didn't get the support that I was needing. Mm. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm done. Just bring me back to the States. And that's when she took me back to the States. Oh, okay. All of you guys or just you? At that point, it was just me because both my mom and dad is already in the oh, States. Oh, okay. 
And who was taking care of you? It was my eldest sister and uh, and actually my three my okay. two brothers. So how old were you when you moved back to the states? I was eighteen. The reason why, like, I had that kind of uh, courage to move back to the states is because I was already eighteen. You know, I can make decisions for my own. Mm-hmm. Before we could move on, I just want to ask you: Do you think being sent back was the right thing to do, or you could have just foregone that? I think it's the right thing mm. to do because like I said, like I didn't know that I was changing. I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't want to lose my Filipino culture. I, I didn't, I, I don't want to lose that, but I was kind of like in the middle of trying to fit in. So it was the right thing to do because it still gave me an option to feel free because I felt like when I was in the States, I wasn't being me. I was being somebody that's trying to fit in. But when they sent me back home, I was hanging out with my old crew. I was hanging out with, you know, the fr- the the classmates that I grew up with. It felt good, um, and I had a lot of good experiences in the Philippines. Actually, that's awesome. So, so from the Philippines, you went to the states. You suffered culture shock. You went back and suffered reverse culture shock. Now you're back to the states again, and you're going through reverse culture shock again. No. No, you're good? <laughs> this time I'm good. This time I'm good. Maybe because I was, you know, I was I was grown. Mm. I was grown. Um I wasn't looking for any acceptance anymore. Mm-hmm. Um my thing back then is I just want to run away from the Philippines from from my old group from from you know, I guess I was I, I guess I was going through depression because I felt like I was lost from doing something that I don't want to do. And that was nursing. So when you went back to America, did you go to school? No, no. I wanted to go back mm. to school at that point. I wanted to, to study now in, in the States. But my mom was like, no, you're, you're just here for vacation. You're going to finish no nursing. Way. So, yeah, yeah. And then one day, my ticket was already there going back home to the Philippines. And I told my mom, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to Chicago. Mm. At that time, where were you? I was in California with my mom. Okay. So I told my mom, I need to grow. I need to find what I want to do, whether that's staying here or going back to the Philippines. I need to find it. I need to figure it out on my own. I don't need anybody telling me what to do because right now I'm 18. Mm -hmm. I can literally do what I want to do. So I decided to go to Chicago. I stayed there with my aunt. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where actual life happened to me that's that's the real america life happened to me um i decided to to work in chicago mm-hmm. well my my aunt sent me to school first she sent me to a cna uh like a certified nursing uh nursing assistant <laughs> class yep. <laughs> yep yep but at least yep. you're away from the pressure yeah yeah and I was like, you know what? Yeah, because I gotta, I gotta start from something, mm-hmm. you know. You know, I gotta start from something. I don't have anything under my belt, my belt at that point. So I'll take it. I'll take it. So I studied uh, CNA, and then that's when I met a lot of friends, and the um, that's when I applied first time ever, and applied for a CNA because that's when I felt like nothing is free in America. I have bills. You know, I'm and I'm still trying to give it, you know, give some to my aunt. And then again, working relentlessly, like working hard and hustling in Chicago, 
was the best lesson I've had in America because I noticed like, oh yeah, I'm hustling. I, I had two to three jobs, you know, like I'm set, I'm good. I'm enjoying it. I'm, go, I'm going out with my friends and stuff. But every time I look at my bank account, um, I wasn't saving enough. I wasn't. Because every time, you know, I worked to party. Yeah, sure. You were young. Yeah, I was, you know, I was I was exploring, I guess. I was enjoying my mm-hmm. life. Um, and that's when I was like, you know what? I got to I gotta do something else. I got to make a big move. Mm-hmm. That's when I decided, like, you, you know, I should join the military. Mm. Because I did talk to somebody, like I did talk to a recruiter back in California about it. But I was like, you know, I chickened out. It's like, what the fuck? Why are you asking me? Like, for one, I'm five one. <laughs> 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 Have you seen the soldiers? <laughs> They're like six feet forever. <laughs> six feet, 300 pounds, I'm pure five. muscles. <laughs> exactly. But I chickened out because I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm five one. I'm barely 125 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, like, my English is not that good. I'm not a citizen. I was just an immigrant. And what do I know about the military in the States? Nothing. I don't even know the difference between the Marines, the, the Navy. The, I didn't know the difference. I just, you know, fuck it. I'm not, all I know is They're the, the guys with the gun that protects us. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't know that there's a difference between a sailor and an airman. I don't know. So... I was like, you know what? I think I should go back to California. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this is, this is good. This is good because I'm working the way I'm supposed to, but I don't feel the fulfillment. I don't, I don't feel satisfied with it. So yeah, I decided to go back to California and sign up. <laughs> yep, I signed up. How did that feel? Like your actual calling in life, you finally achieved it. Yep. Finally did. So the story behind that was I, I did everything paperwork wise. I, you know, my mom didn't know that I was talking to a recruiter, neither my dad. And then when they found out, I already signed up. <laughs> I just told them I went back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she must. It's like having a tattoo, man. It's like having a tattoo, bro. Like you don't tell them that you want a tattoo or you're getting mm-hmm. a tattoo until there's a tattoo. That's right. right. <laughs> like, what do they say? It's easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. Yep, exactly. So I went home. I have my contract. Like I got a whole manila folder, packet, envelope, hold in. And I just told my mom, like, I ship on February 5. Yeah, that was, the, I think that was September of uh, 2011. And I told, I told, I literally told her, I ship February 5 of 2012. And she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> And then I showed her the contract. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! She didn't talk to me for a she month. She didn't try to hit you. No, she like I guess it was that kind of pissed off and mad uh, that she didn't do anything. Like she just walked or away. Or maybe she, she knew that that month. was the right thing. That was your thing, and she's actually allowing you to like. You know what? That's her. That's I'm pissed, but I know that's her thing. That's will make her happy. Yeah, I, I hope it, I hope it's that. I hope it's that because at that point, like, I just feel like that's, you know, not that it's my only option. It's just that that's the big move that I want to do. That could turn my life around. Mm. So I showed her my contract. I showed my dad my, my contract. And the first thing my dad asked was, so what are you going to do in the Army? Are you going to fucking uh, 
like kick doors and shit people or what? Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> kick door and shit people. So I was like, no, just because you're a soldier doesn't mean that you're gonna kick doors or shoot people. I mean, that's what I want to do if given a chance. That would be cool because that's actually the nature of the beast, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I at that point, the army is not allowing females to join in combat jobs. Oh. Yeah, so. Um, so I, I had to explain to him the kind of job that I have. So mm. kind of like to comfort him as well mm. and, and, you know, calm, calm him down. And I told him like, I'm not deploying. I'm just going to, <laughs> I'm going to Fort Jackson, mm, North Carolina okay. for the, for the, for the boot camp, for the basic training. Mm-hmm. And how was boot camp? Looking back, man, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was, it was, it was an experience. Mm. You asked me at that point if if you asked me back in February 5, 2012, I'm gonna tell you, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> But then looking back, you know, looking back, I was like, damn, that was just, that was an experience. Wow. It was it was a good experience. Uh, honestly, I felt family there for the first time. I felt family in the army, and uh, I know my boss. Actually, my boss, a week ago, he was asking me. He got curious. He was like. Did you experience any discrimination in the military? Was it easier for you to be in the civilian side as what you are or who you are, or is it did it did it became easier for you in the military? And I told him, you know what? I've been in the army for eight years. Never, never, ever had I experienced any type of discrimination. Mm, that's amazing. My first ever discrimination experience was in civilian life. Wow! Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So. Me and my wife, we went to New York for a vacation, uh, and we were walking around Times Square. And you know, I'm short, so we were in the stoplight, and I looked to my left, and the first thing that I saw was this big, like tall guy <laughs> looking at his chest. First thing I saw was a was a cross. Mm. I was like, oh, religious, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. And then I looked up, and I saw him, and he gave me this look, the disgusted look. <sighs> yeah. So. Being someone in the military, we were taught so well to always think about our actions. That before you act, act on anything or say anything, don't think it's 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 messed up in a way. Don't think about just yourself. Mm-hmm. Think about the army, because at the end of the day, if I did something to that guy or said something to that guy mm-hmm. in the newspaper or in the news, it's not going to be oh, Christine Arable Hugo did this or said this to this guy. In Times Square, in New York, it's going to be U.S. Army soldier, mm. yada yada yada, mm-hmm. did this to a civilian. So they don't care about my name. I know that, but they, what they're going to look at is the army. Oh, that's the type of soldiers they got. So I had to stop. I had to like find whatever. I had to experience this anyway. I had to experience at least once because this is the type of to. Truth be told, this is a type of environment that I would have come across mm. anyway. It's so weird. It's in so, New York. It's in New York, and that's the most fucked up part. It's in New York. I, I was, <laughs> I, I will tell that I'm gonna get lost with this, mm. but it's in New York. And then I was holding my wife's hand, and then my wife noticed it. My wife, she's a civilian. She don't give a damn. <laughs> she don't give a shit. <laughs> she ready. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Her 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 ears were red. <laughs> <laughs> she was fuming, <laughs> and bro, she she saw him looking at me disgusted. Mm. 
And what she did was she went right in front of me and kissed me right in front of me. <laughs> what a power move. Yeah, like literally kissed me in front of him. And it's so messed up because you know what happened next? Mm. <laughs> This guy, mm. bro, mm. in the middle of Times Square, New York, started yelling, Abomination! Abomination. <laughs> you guys are going to hell. Exactly, bro. Bro, in the middle of Times Square, mm. that motherfucker just started yelling. Uh. Abomination, abomination. You guys are going to hell. Jesus will not accept you for... I'm That's like, messed up. I look at my wife, I'm like, see what you did? <laughs> We could have just walked. She's like, I don't give a shit. This is my wife. This is my wife. And she said, I don't give a damn. I pay my taxes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> She's like, I pay taxes. <laughs> But yeah, the problem is if he start attacking us, I'm gonna have to deal with him, not you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so we started walking away, and this guy's still yelling. We started oh. walking away, and I would say about three, and they're not even gay, three couples, mm -hmm. American couples, walked towards us and told us that don't worry about him, he doesn't represent New York. I love that. Don't worry about him, he's cuckoo on the head. Mm. And then the best thing that I've that 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 we had that day was somebody told us, keep it strong, guys. Like at the end of the day, just love each other. Don't worry about those kind of people. Yeah, exactly. You're just living life. You're not hurting nobody, you know. But yeah, where did you meet your wife? Okay. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so back in 2013, um, I was in Afghanistan. Mm, okay. Um, and I went through kind of like depression and, you know, family separation. I was going through a breakup as well. And it's just, it was a whole a lot of rocking with me. And I had a friend, she's like my shock absorber. Mm -hmm. So that friend of mine, I was talking to her one night and uh, she's in a birthday party of my crush. <laughs> This is a diff totally different person, my crush. So I just called her to kind of greet my crush and all that. And then all of a sudden, she was like, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to pee. Okay. But I don't want to drop the call. So she handed her phone to my wife. No way. That's the first time that we actually talked. And you don't know her? No, I don't. <laughs> Never talked to her. Yeah, she just... She just I, I, I just heard that, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Just keep talking to her. She's in Afghanistan. <laughs> So, random. so it was awkward. Yeah, you're like staring at someone you don't know. And she was drunk too. Oh, so she shit. was like smiling and smirking. She was like, you're kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, thank you. But she's kind of drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's the first time we actually like talked. Mm -hmm. And it was very brief. And then she added, you know, like I added her on Facebook and then, you know, I, I still didn't talk to her at that point, you know, when it's just like a common friend friend. Sure, yeah, yeah. So uh, one time she, um, I guess she was going through a breakup as well. So she started posting sad little codes mm. and all that. And me being me, I, you know, I, I, I sent her a message. I was like, Hey, you good? And all that. And that kind of started that conversation. And it went on until that was when I met her, that was around 
summertime. And, and that conversation that we had went on until like the next year, which is 2014. And yeah, that's how we met. I, I love the story. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. She was, she was, you know, I, we were, we were talking and we were kind of like, I was kind of like dating her, mm-hmm. virtually dating her. And all she hears was this uh, uh, alarm saying, rocket attack, rocket oh, attack. No, fucking God. <laughs> it was horrible, man. And she was like, are you guys good? I was like, yeah, it's a rocket attack. I mean, yeah, the first one. Just, just rocks stand, that might <laughs> explode us, but you know, we're good. Bro, like, dude. Yeah, no, no, for real. Like, first month in Afghanistan, it was wild, bro. Like, <laughs> we were, like, all fucking, like, panic, oh, panic shit. mode. Like, a little alarm would fucking send us, like, send us quick to the bunker. Oh, shit. But then that alarm, after, after like, a couple of months, three months, whenever we hear alarm, oh, something's going on. Let's grab our weapons, go to the bunker. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I want to ask you this, because... You're, you're probably the only person I could ask and make sense about this question, all right? Mm-hmm. Between Filipino culture and American culture, which culture do you think is more accepting with gay people? American. Yeah? American. And I would say that all day. And so I was I was doing an interview with, 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 um, with an army uh, public affairs um, kind of like advertising hmm. and then they asked me what was the mo- what was the most common question that you always get about lgbt or about how you are as a lesbian and i told them the most popular question i get was how do you deal with parents that are not not accepting of of being lesbian or gays hmm. and this is the same shit that i told my cousin when he was coming out with filipinos we were so raised we were raised in, in such a culture that it's so strict because we're so like, I guess the, the, the religion is there as well, heavy. And I, I'm not, you know, there's, I'm not hitting on that because I loved going to church when I was a kid. Um, it's harder for Filipinos because they don't think about, they don't think about who you are or what your happiness is like, they don't think about that. They just think what other people thinks, Mm. you know, um, they don't think about the potential of you going through depression because you're just not letting it out or you just feel like you're just not yourself, but they think about other people and say that, Hey, don't wear that because I don't want you to look dumb because other people will talk about you. Right. So even now, there's still it's it's messed up because at this time of our, our, of our generation where LGBT is just flat out there in, in, in every part of the world, mm-hmm. Philippines is still one of those countries that will not even look at at least civil unions for, for LGBT. Mm. And that's because of the influence of, again, religion. And the social and the social norms in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and it's even harder for gays. It's even harder for gays to come out in the Philippines because, again, the social norms of being a guy is heavy. Mm-hmm. It's a macho mentality. Yeah, like you have to be macho. You have, you have to be very manly. You have to have that, that that fist, you know. And and my cousin one day, he asked me. Uh, he was going through some stuff. 
how did you how did you come out of the closet and i told him like bro i didn't come out of any closet <laughs> i was already out before they even before i even knew it like i didn't wake up one day and said i'm going to go out of closet mm-hmm. i'm going to talk to my mom and my dad and tell them i'm a lesbian no there was no conversation i just i was just being true mm-hmm. to myself the whole time because they know they know the answer they just don't want to hear it you know they just they're not ready to hear it now that they don't want to hear it they're not ready for it and i told him like if you want to come out come out if that will make you feel free it feels great man it feels great but be mm-hmm. ready for the repercussions be ready and it's the repercussion mm-hmm. is not going to come from other people in the filipino culture it's not going to be from other people it's from your family mm-hmm. from the people that you love mm-hmm. or the people that you think love you the most and that's the truth and it's not like because they chose to hurt us it's because the way they were raised as well the way they mm-hmm. look at society as well you know and he's asking me if it's far better for him, it's if it's going to be better for him to come out and i told him if you're not ready the fact that you're asking me you're not ready and and this is why i want you to graduate first i want you to achieve the best things in your life first before you come out because there's a reason behind it graduate have a career have your own place to stay have your own cars and fucking have your own money why when you come home and when you all have this stuff and you come home and you tell them i'm gay they're not going to look at you as gay i guarantee you that they're going to look at you as a prof- uh, as a uh, successful lawyer mm-hmm. with your own life going on nobody's going to tell you shit and i told them get your shit together because right at this moment you're not getting your shit mm-hmm. together you're confused when you come out now i'm going to tell you what first thing's going to happen they're going to look at you down They're not going to remember you as somebody who went to Berkeley. They're not going to remember you as somebody who's a straight A student in high school. Fuck that, bro. They're not going to remember you as that. They're going to remember you as gay. Because you haven't achieved anything in your life yet. As fucked up as it sounds, you have to achieve the best things in life first for you before you come out. Because that's the only way that this society will not look at you differently. But if you want to come out, by all means come out. And you know, did he? Fuck it. Yeah, he just he just recently came out. But his brothers didn't react negatively about it. They just they didn't want to talk about it. I guess they were just sad. My aunt was in denial, of course. But then, you know, as days go by, while I was talking to her, she was like, "I really don't care if he's gay or what." I just want to make sure that he's good, you know? Like he's not suicidal and everything. I was like, I'm glad you said that. So, good for him. It went well good for him. him. It went well. Thank God he had you. Yeah, I mean, um, that's the best I mean, I, I won't even say that's the best advice, but that's the advice that that I can tell him. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's so, beautiful. Thanks thanks for that. Um, and you mentioned are you legally married? Yes, yes. Where do you guys get married? Oh. <laughs> we got married three times there. God. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not kidding, I'm not making you laugh, bro. I married her three times. And this is the joke that I was telling her. Like you ever question my loyalty and faith, my my loyalty to you? Look at that three marriage certificates that we have. I said I do three times. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
what happened was it, it, it's okay. This is going to be a little complicated then. So she was in the Philippines. I was in the States. So I told her, I got to get you here. We got to get married here. Right. So I went to USCIS, which is the immigration um, website. And I literally studied how to get a fiance if you are same-sex marriage. And this is right off, uh, right after Obama declared that same-sex is, ac- uh, is accepted all throughout the states. Oh, you know what's funny? I didn't even realize that. Like, oh, just marry her and just no. bring her over. Like, dude, dude. dude. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was that easy. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, bro. That's why I said, this is going to be a little complicated to explain, but I'm going to give him, you know, I'm going to give him my best shot. Before Obama declared the same-sex marriage being accepted in states. I was already thinking that, hey, you know what, I'm just going to go to the Philippines. I'm just going to stop my military career because she's at the brink of letting me go because she thinks it's going to work out with the long-distance relationship. And I can't blame her for that. And then for some reason, for some fucking reason, one day I woke up, Obama was declaring that same-sex, same-sex marriage is finally legal in all states. Holy shit. Dude. Oh my God, right after that, like I, I went to USCIS, figured out my shit, and then I booked a flight to the Philippines. And she didn't know yet that I'm going to propose to her. So um, I went to the Philippines and I told her, it's not really a proposal. I didn't have a ring with me because it was so like, everything was just so sudden. And I asked her, hmm. do you want to go to the States? And she was like, honestly, I don't have to go to states. You know, she was like, I'm sad. Like, I, I don't need the states. You know, I don't, I'm good, bro. So I was like, let me change the the question. Hmm. Do you want to marry me? She was like, yeah, sure, yeah, we can get married. That's the proposal I got, bro. Yes, we can. that's the best I can do, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it was so messed up. She didn't deserve that. So I much for her- planning. I know, I know, but I promised her that, you know, like we're going to have, I'm legit going to propose to her one day. It's, mm. But um, so <laughs> in the Philippines, one of the requirements in USCIS is to show proof that our relationship is bona fide, of course. Mm. I know I couldn't marry her in the Philippines because there's no such thing as same-sex marriage in the Philippines, but there is a same-sex union ceremony in the Philippines. Okay. So we invited a priest, an actual priest that supports um, um, same-sex couple or same-sex marriage. And uh, I invited a couple of my friends mm-hmm. and we did the ceremony. And then I grabbed the certificate. I'm after the certificate, bro. Just a proof. Grabbed the certificate. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm good with this. Keep that. Went back to the States, filed the petition. And then as soon as I filed my petition, my orders to Korea showed up. Yeah. And I was like, literally, I was like, I look, I looked up and I was like, are you on my side or not? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it, it was, it's been good so far. And, and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, let me take that back. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, well, okay, fine. Whatever. I was thinking that, well, I can, I can use my orders to expedite the process for the same sex marriage because, you know, military orders do, does a lot of magic. And in the government, so I filed for an exp, uh, expedite for a process. Uh, I forgot what it's called, but to expedite the process of the of the petition for the fiance. And then no shit. After like two weeks, 
USA, USCIS responded with an approved fiance petition. Wow. Yeah, they approve it two weeks. So I was like, shit. Okay, now I got to start actually um, sending le- legit documents or legal documents to prove that our relationship is bona fide. Mm-hmm. I talked to four officers in the army and I talked to them because I was asking for a letter of recommendation to expedite the process. And they all, no shit, a chaplain, which is like a priest in the army, he did, and this is why America is more accepting than the Philippines. Mm. He did a letter of recommendation to mm. get my fiance. See, all God was like, what's up, bro? You're questioning me? Here, here yeah, you go. <laughs> exactly. So I was I was more surprised that he like he, he was like, Yeah, of course, I can do it. And the I have all the letters. And like I said, that's if I can awesome. put it, I, if I can put it in a picture frame, I'll put it in a picture frame because <laughs> that's when the, the army really showed love to me that they support mm. me. Because, you know, you don't just go to your officer and ask those kind of shit, mm-hmm. you know, um, but they did it for me. So I sent up all the documents, letter recommendations from my officers and went to the brief. And then the lady was like, oh, so it's pretty fucked up. But Korea is the only country that is uh, not accepting same sex marriage from uh, military right now. So I was like, I was in my head at that point, how can I make this better? So I was like, fuck it. I told, I told Jen, I was like, babe, let's just take this bite, man. Like, let's just take this hit, but let's just do what the army wants me to do. Okay. So went to Korea. It's a year tour. If you're single, it's a year. If you're married, it's two years. So I, I did talk about the first marriage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking about the second marriage now. All right. We were one day I was in Korea we were going on a convoy and I was the driver for a master sergeant that I didn't really like because he's, he's a loud mouth. Hmm. Yeah. And I was his driver and it was just, I, I, I thought it was awful, but it was actually a blessing in disguise. Hmm. So this guy saw my ring, my engagement ring. Hmm. And he's got, he was like, I didn't know you're married. And I was like, master sergeant, I'm not married. I'm engaged. Engaged to who? I was like, to my fiance, where's your fiance at? Because he, he thought it was a soldier. Mm. Oh, she's in the Philippines. And he was like, why is she in the Philippines? Why is she not here? It's like, well, Korea, you know. And he was like, well, that's kind of fucked up. It's America, you know, like, we, you should be good. And I was like, yeah, but we're still considered visitors in Korea, which we are. So we follow their rules. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But uh, I was like, have you heard about the proxy marriage? I was like, negative. I don't know what a proxy marriage is. I was like, well, technically, you're going to hire two lawyers. You're going to hire your your lawyer, and she's going to have her own lawyer, and they will sign your marriage certificate as a representative to your marriage. Mm. Even though you guys are far away, you guys can get married. No way. No shit. But you have to do it in a state that looks at it legally. As a legal marriage, hmm. because if you don't, then the army's not going to recognize it as a legal marriage. So I looked up some websites that does proxy double proxy marriage, and I found one for the state of Montana. And legit, I emailed them and everything. I hired a lawyer. It costs a lot of money, 
because I want, you know, he was like, the master sergeant was like, you know, get married and, and get your benefits as someone, someone who's married, get the housing allowance, get your family separation going. <laughs> He's talking about money. I'm talking about love. He's talking about money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's helping you. Yeah, but it was good. It was like, you know, save your money. So when she, when it's time for you to go back to the States, you can buy her a plane ticket so you guys can go back to the States together. I was like, mm. that made fucking sense. The guy, <laughs> The guy that I was avoiding the whole time because I don't like his loud mouth is the same guy that actually gave me the best advice when it comes to like the issues that I was going through with marriage. So we did the proxy marriage. So that's considered two marriage. Mm -hmm. Right. So (laughs) now my time in Korea is done. Now I'm going back to the States. My orders showed up for North Carolina and it was funny because that's the army did look at her as my legal, legal wife because her name was on my orders. Mm, that's awesome. So they, the army actually paid for her ticket. That's amazing. So now we're in the States. I'm going to start talking about the third marriage. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I've, when, when, when a fiancé, when, when a person is under fiancé visa in the States, they have 90 days to get married to their U.S. citizen spouse. Mm. That's a law. If they miss that 90 days, they're going to get deported back to whatever country they came from and they will never set foot in America. So as soon as we, as soon as she got to the States, I went in on USCIS, filed in for, um, for uh, uh, changing of status for my wife, which is from fiance to petition for a family member. And after a month, USCIS replied, and said that they're not looking at the double proxy marriage as a legal document mm. or a legal marriage. So I tried to fight it, but I was thinking about it again rationally. I was like, you know what? I'm not ready to argue with them. Right now, It's this is time sensitive. You have 90 days since uh, started on the day that you got here. I'm not going to use that time to argue with them. So what I'm going to do is we're going to comply with what the fuck they want. We're going to do what what they want us to do. We're going to get married again for the third time. And we'll submit that shit. And then when when this shit is all over, that's when I go back and fucking, you know, get this shit with them. So we got married. The fucked up part is the next day when I received the letter, the next day we got married. Because I was like, um, no, we're not going to waste time anymore. Because mm-hmm. you're like in the brink of getting deported. Mm. So um, I asked my boss, hey, can you give me a day off just for today? I actually want you to be my witness. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, asked, I asked two of my soldiers to be my witness. Mm. And then another random stranger <laughs> at the court to be our witness. <laughs> yeah. You weren't yeah. holding a gun against their head, right? Yep. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it. Like I'm gonna do whatever they want me to do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waste my time arguing with you guys. So again, the only place that we can get married legally at that time is the. It's like a jailhouse. It's like a, a prison court, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of fucked up because our marriage, our third marriage, is done in a in a prison. <laughs> the guy that's actually giving us ceremony rights was the same guy that's that's giving like prayers and shit for like the the criminals mm-hmm. <laughs> so i was like well fuck it like as long as we do we do this right this time then fuck it we'll do it right mm-hmm. 
the next day I, su- I submitted the marriage license. I called them like, hey, um, I complied with what you guys want and everything. I'm not, I'm not going to argue and stuff. Mm-hmm. After a couple of months, they replied. And the reply was like, good to go, but we're going to do an interview now. So I look at the date and the date was exactly on the day that we're going to be in the field. Like soldiers are going to be in the field. So we went to uh, Durham, North Carolina for the interview. I was, I had my camo, like half <laughs> like dirt and all that showed up. Fucking Rambo over here. <laughs> oh yeah. I showed up. Like I was, I was stinky. I haven't had a shower for like a week. And, and my wife was like, you, you seriously going to do this? Like I'm fucking serious about this shit. I planned this shit. So I sat over there and then, and then uh, for some fucking coincidence, the guy that was doing an interview for us, he was a U.S. Army veteran. Mm. So he saw me, he saw my rank and he was like, hey, sir, what's, a, what's all the camo and stuff? And I was like, yeah, sir, uh, we just, uh, I came from the field. We were in the middle of a, of a field training right now in North Carolina for the special operations and all that. And he looked at me like, he was like, he want to say sorry, but he don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a girl's face. So he pulled out our packet. You know, shit, it was, it was like fucking, it was like six inches wide, like thick. And he was like looking at my three marriage certificates. <laughs> and he asked me, why do you have three marriage certificates? <laughs> oh, okay. Let me explain what happened, sir. So the first one, don't even count that because that's a civil union in the Philippines. And Philippines doesn't look at same-sex marriage legally. Hmm. That's fine. I just use that as as a way to legally show that she's my fiance. The second one, that is a double proxy marriage. Mm -hmm. And he was like looking at me. So why do you need the third certificate? I don't know, sir. You guys were the one who told me to get a third certificate. And he stood up. He grabbed the packet. He went to his supervisor. Right. Remember, he's supposed to ask us to to check how legit our marriage is. Mm -hmm. He came back. (laughs) he came back and he was like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that you guys experienced this and I'm not even going to ask you guys any questions now. You guys are feel free to go. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Sergeant, uh, as a way to apologize, I am expediting her green card. She will receive her green card the next week. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you for the story. Uh, Unfortunately, we're at the time. I, oh, I would love damn. to. I would. I would love to talk to you more, but nah, you're good, bro. We're good. <laughs> I told you, I got stories. I got stories like a book. <laughs> uh, is there anything you would you like to add or topic that would you like to talk about before we close out? Um, I mean, not really. Uh, well, everybody knows that I'm a lesbian. Uh, well, I don't know if everybody knows, but I, I am heavily, um, I am heavily connected to the LGBT community. Um, we have a group as well in the Philippines that we support the LGBT community over there. And uh, even here in the States, in the army, like I'm one of the persons that they actually want to talk to those that are interested in the army, but they're gay and lesbian. Or, mm-hmm. So if there's anybody that wanted to, you know, hear my experiences as someone being lesbian in the military, in the U.S. Army, feel free to ask or what. They can ask you and you can just relay the question to me. Mm-hmm. and that's about it yeah thank you thank you again chris for doing this i really appreciate oh, no, it you, no problem i 
I wish it's not, you know, I wish those stories are not crazy sound. No, no, no. That's me. It was, it's good. It was I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll let my brother know that I talked to you, but. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. Good night. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Chris, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. See you guys next week.